You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt, and I'm your host. And our guest today is Mel Lim. And Mel is president of Mespera Group and is author of Turtle Design and a Rabbit Age. And we're going to talk a little bit about her experience and history as a creative professional, as a designer, as a strategist. Mel, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bruce. It's a pleasure having you on. I think the conversation is you know, really interesting for me around this kind of creative uh, strategy services, you know, and I realized I was looking through your notes. We're both we're both previous architects, so um, you know, trained as mm-hmm. architects and being kind of you know steeped in this creative design services background, but yet also trying to be business people. I think there's often there's often a balance that is <laughs> needs to be struck, or at least there's challenges between those two. Um, I love I love that you said trying to be business people. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, I've learned that you know architects don't always make the best business people, um, and oftentimes the best business architects are not necessarily the most creative architects. But True. you know, I think that I think there's a little bit of a push and pull on some of those things. So why don't we start? Just give us a sense of your background. Like, how did you get to what you're doing today? And then, you know, obviously, I want to talk about the book. I want to talk about what you're doing. You know, in kind of the strategy and the creative services. But let's talk about background. Okay, so I'm originally from Penang, Malaysia. I moved to the U.S. when I was 19 to, to study architecture at Art Center. And I was practicing architecture for about seven years. And then I moved into consulting in 2006, I believe. But prior to that, in 2003, I started my business and went into product manufacturing, believe it or not. I took 1500 bucks from my 401k at that time, puny little 401k. And then and then within 24 months, I scaled my product business to over a thousand retailers worldwide and Amazing. with over 500 SKUs and it became a, a legit big yeah. business. Yeah. And that was how I kind of combined, you know, like you said, architecture, design, creative to the business side where I had to quickly learn to fulfillment, import, export, you know, retail, sales and all that. And then from all of my experiences, I kind of pivoted to consulting in 2006 and brought on a couple of software clients and I haven't stopped since. Yeah. Yeah. And so in, in the consulting services that you do, what do you focus on? What, what is the service and value that you provide? We typically serve companies in the technology space okay. from cybersecurity, AI, neuroscience, crypto, all that fun stuff. I actually was recently <laughs> brought on a luxury client. So that's mm-hmm. like a... Uh, <laughs> like twist. an odd, yeah. yeah, a little twist, you know. But I think all of our clients are pretty fascinated by the way we've handled growth acceleration through our brand activation initiatives. Hmm. And and they like that. They they're interested in how we're able to use a lot of creative branding strategies to help them just grow their revenue or brand awareness. Yeah. I mean, those are tough. I mean, all those categories, I mean, maybe luxury brand aside, you know, all those categories are are fairly kind of esoteric, abstract, you know, concepts and services. Like how, how do you build a brand around these more kind of idea driven kind of conceptual things than, you know, real kind of hard products and consumer based 
things. Give, right. give us a sense of the difference. So I think the the secret sauce um, is absolutely in the in the way we tell the story for these technology companies. You know, I often talk to my team and I'm like, oh my God, my day is just packed with, you know, 10 hours of conversation with clients and one, you know, in the morning it's like cybersecurity and then I hang up and then the next, and the next is like crypto. I'm like, okay, and hang up and then, oh, I'm talking about <laughs> neuroscience. And I feel like I'm this walking Wikipedia or something. Yeah. And, 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 and at nighttime, I have to constantly learn about the trends and, yeah. and you know, be ahead of my of my clients because they're looking at us as this kind of the, this compass to to help them navigate, right? Yeah. And so I'm constantly like reading up on these new tech and then, you know, reaching out to my net. Hey, what do you guys have to learn from you guys? Um, and then come back and deliver all that that good stuff to the client. And then, so that's one piece, just the know-how and being on top of the trends and the technology and the news. The second piece to it is really to understand that technology, and that takes time. And it takes Sorry, me which, sometimes- which technology? The, the technology of your clients or- Yes, the, the technology okay. of my clients, okay. right? So you so have to yes, learn about blockchain. Like you need to actually go in and understand like yes, well, what the hell is blockchain and how does it work? And, uh-huh, I need to sit down and, and experience it. They will walk me through their, you know, the UI and the UX for their software, right? So I need to understand. And then here they go. They send me all their data sheets and I'm like, oh my God, I am not an engineering background. How do, well, so how do you do this? I mean, I guess I'm, I mean, you know, I, I can kind of imagine, but that seems like a lot of, I mean, if you're going from a nine o'clock call on cryptocurrency to an 11 o'clock call on AI, mm-hmm. like, what, mm-hmm. like, do you just, you just have more brain cells than most normal creative <laughs> folks and can, can get yeah. into this? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, I, that might be some of it. I mean, I, I guess, you know, that there is, you know, I do find that having just a, a big spongy brain that can absorb mm-hmm. lots of technical information is there are people like that. And there are some people that can just absorb lots of that stuff, comprehend it very quickly, you know, but that is, not, I wouldn't say that's not typical for someone who also thinks in a design creative yes. you know, way. Yes. So it's very interesting. For instance, like I'll have a conversation with a client and he'll be saying, you know, this is this is what we're trying to do. And here are the use cases without getting into without getting into de- details. Yeah. But he'll tell us like these are the use cases. We're trying to shift the way that we're selling the software this year. We need you to help us tell the story. And I'm thinking, okay, so what are the use cases? Then we do a deep dive into each each one of them. Then in the back of my mind, I'm already thinking, okay, how do I tell that story visually? Is this going to be a layering of graphics that can stem from this, you know, like a birth of or an mm. explosion of graphics that's coming from the center? Like I'm, I'm thinking visually, right? Yeah. I'm sketching away as I'm, t- I'm, as I'm talking to them. And then when I hang up the phone, it's almost like my brain kind of compartmentalizes all these data and then i I plug them in visually into all these different things and then that's how i sketch i sketch on paper and then i present it to them and say hey here you go we're going to communicate these three use cases using this visual language and we're going to do it via powerpoint video animation you know all these different things and it's like a what they call like a meta thinker right you you go Mm. high level very macro and then you go micro and that's how my brain works for all of my clients. But of course, in that two-hour conversation, I really have to understand that technology because I can't just bullshit my way yeah, through. Exactly. I really have to sit down yeah. and read, you know, and understand, and then and then figure out what is that competitive edge. 
because there's huh. so many cybersecurity companies out there. There's yeah, so exactly. many neuroscience guys. So I have to sit down and go, you know, I've researched this and this is what they're doing. And I, I think we could do better. And here's how. Yeah. So, yeah, so I know my brain is. <laughs> well, I think, it, I, I think it is. I think it's, I'm sure there's a process, you know, but I'm sure there's a, you know, a way that your neurons, your your brains are connected to kind of be able to, to do that kind of work. The thing I, I often find in these cases, having worked with lots of sort of technologists, is that there's so much information and so much detail. Yes. And in the, in the end, so much of the creative stuff is about editing, <laughs> about, you know, taking out and you, about You are clarifying. absolutely right. Yes. It's, it's, uh, it's all about editing. It's knowing when to say, what to say, yeah. and how to deliver that content. Yeah. And, then, and then when you break it down to the when, how, what, who, again, it's almost like compartmentalizing all that data into bits. Mm -hmm. And then you have this high level. If the high level is all about like, you know, we'll come up with a high level word. This year is going to be about X. Next year is going to be about Z, whatever. But under X, we're going to do all these different things. And here are the different buckets. At least that's how my brain works. And it works really well, I guess, with all these very analytical engineers. Yeah. And the architecture piece helps, right, Bruce? I yeah. mean, you're talking about, you know, systems thinking, right? You're talking about mapping out something that can translate from something that's so creative and nebulous to something that's so tangible and, you know, actionable. So it's like, I am like the con do it between the two like i always tell my yeah. clients like i'm the creative and also the business i know where you want to go what you want to hit and i have this roadmap for you to get there give me the time yeah. people and resources and we'll hit it so so my business you know yes the creative piece absolutely very important but it is all tied into metrics and conversions and adoptions and engagements that's that's all those pieces that's tied into that as well. So you're actually, you're looking at measurable objective results yes. and figuring out how yeah. you're going to, what, what are the measures? I guess when you, when you look at these kind of measures, are there, are there ones that you find are easier to kind of design for or to strategize against and some that are harder or is it really kind of case by case? Like how does that, how do you come up with the metrics? Well, I think it's case by case. So for instance, a client could say, you know, our main goal this year is to be able to get the salespeople to sell more software. And our job here is to make their lives easier. We want to be able to close that uh, sales cycle, perhaps, you know, from 12 weeks to eight weeks, let's say. I have this goal, right? I need to be able to shorten the sales engagement process. I need to help them close faster. What other tools that I can give the salespeople? So then I go backwards. Okay, and then I have to analyze how they're presenting to their to leads. How are they doing their demos? Yeah. So all these different pieces, I would list them all down, and then I'll look at how to improve that process for them, and then and then we'll roll it out. Yeah. And sometimes you know it'll be twelve weeks to eight weeks, and sometimes it'll be twelve weeks to four weeks. But either way, the whole idea is to shorten it. Yeah, you know, you know what your objective is. It's funny, like yes. the the architecture. I, I see the architecture training coming out. You know, of almost being that anthropologist, like you have to go in and you know, let me right. understand, let me let me observe how you're doing this thing right now, and then I can kind yes. of see, I can I can kind of see where we could kind of play with things. It's the whole like you know, if I'm going to design a space for you, like there's lots of different types of kitchens. I kind of need to know like how do you entertain and what kind of food do you like to cook and do you socialize in the kitchen or is it purely functional it's like i need to kind of go in and see really how you're going to do it before i can figure out the best design for your situation 
So I think there's right. I, I think there's a lot of training there. The other one I was fascinated by, you know, this idea of sort of synthesizing this functional side with the design side. It's um, you know, we can geek out on architecture a little bit, but the whole party, the whole idea of a party in architecture of of you have a program, right? You have a list of these are all the spaces I need and the square footage and the functional, like all these requirements. Yep, but I need yep. that concept. I need that organizing principle that I'm going to use to give meaning or at least giving some kind of way in which I'm going to organize these things conceptually. And so right. this, like your idea of the theme, like in, in, you know, in this year is going to be, you know, the idea of sales and next year might be something else is, is kind of that part T for the, the strategy is like, okay, well, this, this is going to be the organizing principle for how we do things. And then everything's going to then fit under, you know, yes. a month by month calendar. Yes. And then on the high level side, you're looking at things like, you know, whether or not you're communicating or delivering the messaging effectively yeah. without, you know, because brands, they all have their high level kind of like this mantra or this manifesto. They have this one word that captures the essence, right? But every year as trends change and then you have new competitors coming in, these companies are looking to kind of like shift a little bit of that of that tone without compromising the core brand message, right? So it gets more and more challenging over the years, yeah. I feel, because they're trying to adapt to yeah. what the market is looking. And then, but the, the product is essentially still the same. Uh-huh. So, so my role is to go in and look at, okay, how can we tweak the messaging so slightly, but not changing, you know, the product itself, because of course the R&D is going to kill me for that. But <laughs> not, not changing it too much, but then the new market. And so Every time we have a, a new audience, a new market, I have to go in and ever so slightly tweak the messaging just a tad so that the audience can go, oh, they're resonating with this. Yeah. And then and then we don't tweak too much of the graphics because, you know, once we produce a 100K video, we are not going to reproduce it again. Yeah. So then I have to go in and tweak ever so slightly maybe the tagline or maybe the graphics here and there to just suit that audience and, and capture them. Is this sorry? This okay. and this is this is based on time, or is it based on segment? Like, are you saying that you do this for each segment that you're going out to, or is this yes, each okay. segment, each segment? Because you know, as a, for a large company, they're not only targeting like the U.S. audience; they're yeah. targeting Asia, they're targeting Europe, and I have to be very kind of culturally sensitive with the graphics that so I'm producing. How, and how? Well, so I, I guess you know, imagine the kind of the cultural localization or the sensitivities, excuse me, the cultural associations or the sensitivities that would need to be adjusted? Are are there more strategic considerations? Like, do you really get into, well, this, you know, this country right now, like this concept is really big or this is a big trend. So I want to key in on that other than just, well, we use words in different ways or I need to localize the content. At what level are you doing that kind of adjustment? So it's, it can be big and can, it can be small sometimes. It all depends on how fast they want to capture that new market. If it's going to be, for instance, if I'm given a short amount of time, Mel, we, we have a big trade show coming up in UK, let's say. Yep. So everything around that effort, it has to be customized for the UK audience. Yeah. I can't just go in and just say, hey, tweak one word and here and there, remove this graphics because they don't like this right now. And we got to <laughs> be sensitive with the political change. Yeah, yeah. You know? so, but, but it's almost like I have to, I wouldn't say redesign. It's more like reframing, yeah. reframing all of the deliverables to suit that particular 
trade yeah. show or engagement or a, a big client that they're going for. Yes. So yeah. So my 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 life is pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's, so, it's it's fascinating. It sounds fun. I mean, it sounds hard and it sounds complicated, but it sounds fun. Is that I guess what do you what do you love about it? Like what what is the real for you, what is, what is the real passion or what is the real intrigue about doing what you oh do? Oh my God. I was just telling a friend a couple of days ago about this because, you know, he was observing the way that I work and he's like, how can you do this 20 hours a day yeah. and, and so intense about it? And you have so many different clients demanding different things from you at all times. You know, what I find the most exciting is, is having this this ability and, and trust from my clients, right, to execute impeccably, but also to do all that with a very limited amount of time and resources. I get the kick out of it. Like I, I, I find it very um I love the challenge. Yeah. Don't give don't give me a lot of money. Don't give me a lot of money. <laughs> enough and I can show you that we can do so much with X. Yeah. And and it, it gives me this like oh like this dissatisfaction that oh my god if I can do this with this much impact with just this amount of time and resources boy you're gonna roll this out throughout the year and with this much dollar I'm oh my god I can't even imagine I don't know I just get very excited about having this ability to turn you know like I always give the 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 analogy is like give me a bowl of white rice and I can turn it into a crab meat fried rice for you <laughs> <laughs> I can I add it. eggs I can add yeah, exactly. chicken yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be this yummy bowl of you know crab meat fried rice yeah I love it I love it yeah I think there is there is something strangely motivating about constraints like given yes. given the right set of constraints like it, it's it is it's kind of it's the challenge you have to innovate you have to uh, figure out how to stretch things it's you know, it, it makes it interesting. You know, otherwise it's like, all right, well, I have a, if I have unlimited budget and I can take as long as I want, it's like, uh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> right. So <laughs> the like, I don't have nothing yes. to work with. Yes, exactly. So the constraints, it established this framework, yeah. right? It gives you this framework and you go, how can I be innovative with yeah. only this? And it's like, you know how when you're kids, you know, you just build something out of like cardboard oh, yeah. or a stick paper, or paper something. And, rolls and, yeah. and, string, and yeah. like, you know, I used to do that when I was growing up. My, my father would buy me Barbie dolls, but he will not buy me the accessories, right? And I'm thinking, oh, I'm like, <laughs> well, I need a car for my Barbie. I need a mansion. I, I need it. clothes. So I'll start making those things by myself by cutting up all the like the fabric in the house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I would start making things. And so I have this mentality that, you know, you don't have to give me a lot. You just have to give me a little and yeah. I can make this amazing and I think most creative people work that way yeah. it's you know give them a little bit and then they'll stretch it so that's my that's my thing I love to stretch things so let's talk a little bit about the book uh, so well first of all let's talk about the title turtle design in a rabbit age yeah uh, like so there's a backstory on this or <laughs> <laughs> so there, there is a backstory on this actually it, it was a keynote that I gave at a design conference it was like a 30 minute keynote that I gave about slowing down and the the organizer was asking me like how do you design for technology companies and using your methodology and my methodology is as a 
yes, I design for companies and they're on agile method and they're you know, rapid prototyping all the time and they're moving at 100 miles per hour. But when they engage me, I move equally as fast. It's just that I am extremely mindful about the where, the what, the hows, and what we're trying to achieve when you engage me. And I want it to be extremely impactful. So because my methods are always about asking the right questions and and forcing my clients to go like, for instance, no, we just want a website. And I'll go, why are we designing this website? Why are we redesigning this website? Why are we changing it? What's the content? Why do we want to have this content? And the more questions I ask, I get down to the, the bottom of it. Well, we just want people to sign up for our demo. Mm. I'm like, well, there are other ways to getting people sign up for your demo. Let's look at the other ways that's more efficient or effective, right? So the more questions I ask, I, I find that I'm unveiling this this underlying problems that they have. Well, what does the demo lead to? Well, we just want people to try out our product because we have an adoption issue. So well, then the more I ask, I dig deeper, then I have all these problems. And then what I then do is then I just then prioritize those problems and solutions for them. So and I couldn't get to the to the bottom of it if I didn't force my clients to slow down and answer my questions. So I wrote this book because I wanted people to kind of have this mindful practice and appreciation from not only my craft, but for their craft. You know, I was I always tell my clients, I'm like, it took you, you know, five years to develop this software. Why why do you want to just like slap something on it and, and, and sell it? I mean, if you want people to take your company seriously, your product seriously, and especially for enterprise product, right? Yeah. Then we gotta do it the right way. Like don't just slap something on it and, and ship it. You gotta do it the right way. So I'm 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 forcing them or I'm almost empowering or educating them that they have to respect their product, number one, their processes. And my role is to help their consumers and their clients respect their product, appreciate you know, all the good stuff that they have built to create this company. And, you know, essentially it's about craftsmanship. So that's mm -hmm. why the book came about is, is teaching people how to be very mindful about creating meaningful experiences that can connect business to people. Yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. like that idea. I mean, I think that, you know, that the, uh, you know, whether you're a, a consultant, a designer, a, you know, strategist, uh, an architect, you know, that, there is there's a certain kind of integrity or a certain um, yes. There's something about what you do that has some core purpose, and you need to you know keep that in mind as you provide the service. I mean, yes, you want to be client focused, and yes, you want to be service focused, and yes, you want to meet the needs of your client. But there are times when you do need to push back, or you do need to pause, or you do need to slow down and kind of say, okay, look, is this really is this really what we want to do, or is this really going to be going to get us the outcome that we want? And I, and and that can be really hard. I think a lot of people get wrapped up into it. Well, so yes, yeah, so I want to add to that. It, it's the idea of knowing that you know. I always tell my my design friends. We have this power and, you know, it all stems from the conversation of commanding your worth or uh, demanding the, for the right fees, right? Yeah. Money is always like people always say, oh, you're a starving artist. No, 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 that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's, it's from the moment that when you're aware of the real power that you have, then you are able to deliver. And I think it took me a while to realize this power that I have. Um, you know, over the course of 20 years being in the U.S. and designing, you know, from architecture, like like retail spaces, to casinos, to stadiums, and then moving into this product manufacturing and then moving into consulting. And I've realized that I've constantly 
designing experiences that make people do things, right? Like you yeah. said, in architecture, you're making people sit, shop, play, you know, <laughs> do all these things. And then when you're moving into the digital world, you're making people click this, download this, you know, yeah. <laughs> turn this up, you know, watch this. Yeah. And this, this, this is power, Bruce. This is yeah. like, we have this ability to instigate change and to create this new realities and and all these changes and realities it actually helps either make or break a business yeah 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 is, they, they have impact yeah. <laughs> it has impact yeah. and so once you realize this you're like oh my god i have to be very careful about yeah. how i exercise this power yeah you've got a fiduciary <laughs> responsibility now <laughs> Yeah, it's like this code, right? It's like this code amongst designers, like this code, like I, like even now, like I I teach people, you know, uh, through my workshops and, and lectures, how to transform your power. Even when I'm on stage, I have to be very careful about what I say to them, you know, especially when people ask questions like, you know, you're asking us to design meaningful life and experiences. I want, I want to start my own business. I'm like, okay, 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 hold on a second. Mm. <laughs> Starting your own business, it actually requires a lot. And then yeah. I have to go into all the good stuff and the ugly stuff yeah. so that they're aware. You know, I'm not going to say, yeah, go for your passion. And I'm like, yeah, go for the passion. Yes. But there are other reality factors. Like, for instance, you got to figure out how to make money. You got to feed your kids and all these things. And I have to be very mindful of how, how I deliver my message. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I think it's true. With great, great power comes great responsibility. I think you, you need to take yeah. it seriously. Um, yes. So we're going to we're going to hit time here. I know if, if people want to get more information on on you, on the book, what's the best uh, what's the best way to get a hold of that? So you can visit my um, website. It's mellim.com or um, for my startups and consulting engagement, visit masperagroup.com. Great. I'll make sure I'll make sure both of those links are on the show notes so people can click through. Uh, Mel, this has been a pleasure. I, I think there's a lot of folks uh, I know in this audience who are are, are craftspeople, and <laughs> I think that the thinking thinking about it that way and thinking about you know what is what is their purpose and and what is the the role and the power that they have and and what do they need to be responsible about is a is a really a really great message and I think it's it's a great conversation. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Bruce. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.